It wasn't pretty, but the U.S. men's national team took care of business in the group stage, and now they're on to the quarterfinals of the 2015 Gold Cup. This is the SBI Show. I am Garrett Cleverly. Back from Kansas City is Ivis Galarsep. How's it going, man? How tired are you? Have you finally recovered from the 90-degree heat? 90? It was like 97. Are you kidding me? That's not even hot. That's Come on. Okay, first of all, it's a different kind of heat. They can't they, than Arizona. Okay, the humidity is a whole nother thing. It was unbelievable. It was, I mean, no, but first of all, I want to say Kansas City is great. It's one of the best cities in America, especially when it comes to soccer. Um, and it was so it was great. It was a great time there, four days. Uh, but the heat, man, the, it, it, it's the, the funniest thing that I I kind of noted was that the hottest I've ever been going to a game and the coldest I've ever been at a game are both the same place, Sporting Park. So I thought that was pretty funny. But no, you can't beat the barbecue. You can't beat the atmosphere at Sporting Park. The fans are great there, and it was overall everything was great except except the game. Uh, the U.S. Uh, Panama game ended up a tie. It wasn't it wasn't a great game to say the least. But again, in those kind of conditions, it's always going to be hard to have a beautiful game. Well, we haven't had a show in about what eight days now, so there's going to be plenty for us to talk about um, on the show. Before we talk about the U.S. Haiti game, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, US, we haven't even talked about U.S. Haiti. We'll also talk U.S. Panama. Um, what was the worst city you went to, Ivis? Because think about it. You were in Dallas, you were in Boston, in Kansas City. Which was the worst out of the three? Uh, worst. I'm not going to say which <laughs> worst. I mean, I thought they, they were all cool in their own way. I mean, to be honest, it's not like I got to experience much of Boston. Um, I went. We went up to Massachusetts, stayed near the stadium, uh, relatively close to the stadium. Because that's like, it's, that's like 30 minutes outside Boston, right? Yeah, 45. It's yeah. 45 minutes out. And Boston, for whatever reason, the hotels are always absurdly expensive. And I don't know if it's because of all the colleges up there, all the all the businesses. I don't know what, but I, I cannot think of another city where this where the hotels in the in the proper t- in the town proper are outrageously overpriced. So um was just the stadium is so is forty five minutes south. There's no really reason no real reason to chill in Boston, stay in Boston, uh and pay those prices. I mean I'd love to and I have and, and it's great. It's a great time, but uh, I had a good time, in Dallas. Uh, Dallas is obviously, you know, the the heat and humidity is an issue there as well. But and it's also like the sprawl; it, everything's kind of spread out. Um, so I, I don't want to crap on any of these things, but I'd say Kansas City for me I had the, I had the best time. I think it, I always have a good time there. Um, you can't beat that. You know, you got the Power Light District, you got Westport, uh, the Country Club area. Uh, there, there's it, it, it's so many things to do there, and even when it's 100 degrees. But no, overall. Uh, it's been a heck of a run. The U.S. is through out. They're at the group stage, undefeated. Uh, they didn't go perfect three and zero, and it by and then by no means was it a beautiful uh, group stage. But again, they did enough to win their group, and now they're on to the quarterfinal. Well, they went undefeated in group play, and that's the important thing. And against Panama, Panama is the backs against the wall. Panama has to put points up in the match. Um, there's no way Panama could 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 lose this one and still be able to move on. In the Gold Cup, and and for the U.S., I mean, it's a t- definitely a tale of two halves. The first half, we had a lot of shaky moments for a lot of different players, and the second half, you definitely saw improved play um, from a lot of different players. Also, helped that Clint Dempsey went into the match, but I, you know, I, I thought for the U.S., Ivis, it, it showed some positives that you can build off in the second half, especially with some of the the younger players on the squad. There were some positives, but there were some serious question marks, some serious negatives. I mean, the first half was atrocious for the defense and. Uh, against some other teams, they might have, you know, given up two or three goals. Um, I know Jurgen Klinsmann wanted to stick with this unit uh, and kind of saw positive things for this group. He 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 wants to invest time into into some of these younger players like John Brooks, Ventura Alvarado, Timmy Chandler, 
but all three of them looked so shaky in the first half that you, had, you you sat there wondering, what is he doing? Is he crazy? Should he keep sticking with these guys? And then when he trotted them out for the second half and didn't make any changes in the back four, you're kind of like, what is he doing? But basically, I'm he wanted to glad let him... he didn't. I'm glad no. he didn't make any changes. Right. I mean, he wanted to let him sink or swim. He wanted to make. He wanted to force them to work their way out of the, the situation, and they did. Credit to them. Credit to hey, John Brooks was outstanding in the second half. Mm-hmm. Ventura Alvarado settled down. Timmy Chandler also settled down. Um, are they? You know, do you have faith that they're going to lock it down for the knockouts? I think that's a little bit of a stretch to this point. I think they they, they need to show more in the quarters. But uh, I did like. It, you have to like the way they responded in the second half and. The additions of Clint Dempsey and DeAndre Edlin did provide some energy to that mm-hmm. group, and and I'll, and it, we, the first the player we do have to talk about above all Alejandro Bedoya. He makes his first appearance, uh, club or country, in more than two months. He starts in a match played in uh, in unbelievable heat, and he actually played a good game. I mean, he showed some rust here and there, but he was dangerous. He 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 put pressure on Panama. He he, he put himself in dangerous positions. He set up the equalizer. And for a guy who's who's obviously still not 100% fitness-wise, he showed why when he's 100%, the guy's absolutely a starter, and I think he's going to be a starter from here on out. Oh, that pass that Bedoya had to Bradley in the box was was, was very gorgeous. You're right. It's nice to have a player like uh, Bedoya back. I mean, you definitely. I mean, it's unfortunate that, that he wasn't able to go the full 90, I mean, because he looked great for the first 60. I think he played up to, what, 70 minutes. Um, but as far as the back line goes, uh, you know, look, I'm happy, Ivis, that Jurgen didn't make any changes. You, you want to see what these guys do. And you have a lot of people talking about why is John Books playing in this game? He already is on a yellow, which, you know, picked up a yellow in this match, um, which means he'll be missing the quarterfinals. Um, but for this U.S., I mean, these are games where these guys are going to have to learn. And, and you have to learn on the job, especially when you're playing against a CONCACAF team in Panama, especially against a player like Blas Perez. I mean, I'm sure there's lots of guys like Kyle Beckerman, telling the guys on the back line who, you know, this is what this guy does in Major League Soccer. And, and guys like John Brooks and Ventura Alvarado, I mean, they have to witness this firsthand going forward. I mean, you can't just be sticking the same guys out there because eventually you're going to have to turn over the guards of these guys. And with John Brooks, I mean, you definitely see those flashes of potential, his distribution, the ability for him to dribble out of the back. I mean, not many young center backs can do that. So for me, I mean, John Brooks, I mean, you definitely want to see him um, get some more minutes. Unfortunately, he's going to miss the quarterfinals, but but I mean, he has that potential that you see throughout matches. He flashes it every once in a while. No, I agree with you, man. I, I know some people wanted to kind of bash on Klinsman because why would you play the guy on a yellow? But it's pretty simple. It's an opportunity for him to get experience in a tough situation like that. And you know what? Maybe when you're in the World Cup and he's sitting on a yellow and you have to play the guy because he's your top guy, he needs to be able to deal with that situation and avoid the yellow. Obviously, he didn't handle it well this time around. He struggled particularly early in the game um, to, to kind of find his footing, but he eventually did. In the second half, like you said, he, he really showed the qualities that make Klinsman, uh, so, like make him so high on him. I mean, he say what you want about some of the other guys. Ventura Alvarado has really struggled. Timmy Chan's really struggled. But John Brooks, you, I have seen mm-hmm. what it is that Klinsman likes about the guy, and you can see the upside. You see the potential, and at the at his age, I mean, who knows how good he can become? So, I mean, I think I totally I'm on board with that. Uh, it is unfortunate they're going to miss him for the quarters, but we have to talk about Tim Ream. We obviously didn't do a show after the the Haiti game, mm-hmm. so we haven't had a chance to talk about that. But for me, Tim Ream was excellent in the Haiti game. He had a couple of moments where you know he forced some passes. And there were a couple of turnovers early in that game. But aside from that, I thought he was really poised. I thought the passing was sharp on his side. I thought he I thought he just looks he looks like a more mature player, a much better player than we saw four years ago 
the last time he was with the U.S. as a starter. So I think that's great. I think he'll step in there. The U.S. is probably going to play you know, a, a team that they should handily beat in the quarters. We're talking El Salvador, Guatemala, or Cuba at this point. Uh, they're going to they're beat any of those teams. And, um, but it's going to be an opportunity for Tim Ream to step up. And I do find it interesting that, and we're going to get on touch on this in a minute with, the, with the, the, the roster changes of the U.S. team, it shows you how impressed Klinsman has been with Tim Ream that he chose not to bring in Matt Beisler for the knockout round, something I think a lot of us thought we would see. But it's clear that Klinsman is happy with Brooks and Ream as his left center backs right now, and Matt Beasley was the odd man out. See, and I'm with you with Tim Ream. I didn't think he had that bad of a match against Haiti, and I know a lot of people were very critical of the job that he did. But we had to take into a fact, take into account, excuse me, is that the back line for Haiti that was an entirely total new back line for guys. You had Brad Evans out there, Omar Gonzalez, Tim Ream, and Greg Garza. Um, four total new guys, and it's not. And, you, and Brad Evans struggled in the game, match. Greg Garza struggled in the match, and I agree. And I, I think some of that kind of clouded the fact that some people said, "Oh, Tim Ream didn't have a good match." I thought he had a good match, and the drop off between Ream and Brooks. I mean, it's 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 not that much. So, I mean, yeah, maybe we'll see Ream in the quarterfinals. I mean, huge, huge. That'd be a huge opportunity for Amiris. No, we're going to see him. I mean, I think uh, Klinsman after the the Panama match, pretty much said as much and and now that he didn't call in Beasler it's pretty much set in stone I mean I don't think I don't think we're going to see Omar Gonzalez and Ventura Alvarado play together I mean I think Ream showed that he can be your quality uh, left center back and I think that's who we're going to see um we have to talk about these other guys though man I mean Ventura Alvarado has really struggled and I I mean for me I for one think he's got potential I think he he's young he's only 23 he has he has some skills that that make you think you know for me I think he has the potential to be a good player. Right now, though, he has struggled a lot, and and I mean, he's really, mm-hmm. I mean, in the in the Panama game, the way he was, he got turned on that Panama goal, it's just unacceptable. So I mean, he, I think he has a lot to learn, and I don't know if he's ready to start uh, start for the U.S. at this point. So that's where Klinsman's going to have a real decision to make on whether he sticks with Alvarado or if he goes with Omar Gonzalez. Because I mean, look, Gonzalez is a, he has the experience and. You know, I thought he was okay against Haiti, and I think if you, he, the fact that Gonzalez and Reem have that, you know, they've played together now, they had that one game under their belt, I think this quarterfinal, I think you put those two together. Um, I just don't, I don't know, man. I mean, even though Alvaro did better in the second half, and even he acknowledged after the game that he had a bad first half, he said it, he said, like, you know, I was bad, like, and he was mad at himself for being so bad. So, at least he's aware. At mm-hmm. least Alvarado's aware he needs to do better. Um, so... You know what? We'll see what Klinsman does. Um, but for me, I mean, I think the safer play is Gonzalez. But at the same time, going back to the idea of um, giving young players experience in tough settings, uh, you know, if you have in the quarterfinals against one of these weaker opponents, uh, it could be the perfect opportunity for him to to, to learn and, and develop a bit more mm-hmm. without having it be at the risk of playing a Mexico or a Costa Rica when they have some serious hitters in attack that can totally tear you apart. So I think I think we could see Alvarado in the quarters. Well, the one thing's for sure with the back line, and, and we haven't discussed if Jimmy Chan- if Timmy Chandler even gets to start in the quarterfinals. I mean, I think we can both agree that Fabian Johnson, no matter what, is playing. I mean, he's by far best of class in the back line for the U.S. right now. Oh, he's head and shoulders, head and shoulders above the rest. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't. You know what, Tim Chandler, he, he, he's a. Uh, I, I feel like he's the most hated. U.S. player there is right now in terms of fans just being frustrated with the things that he does, the turnovers, 
the mental lapses, the wayward passes. It's just uh, the lackadaisical it, effort from him sometimes. I think that's what it is. I mean, you see Bedoya. Bedoya's like 100 miles an hour the second the whistle blows. Timmy Chandler is kind of, you know, he kind of moves around at a leisurely pace compared to some other players. I think that's what throws some people off, too. I don't even think it's it's like lack of speed. I just think he makes mental mistakes and like catch. He puts himself in tough spots and then he and then he doesn't react. In yes, time. he so does. I think having you know, I think with the changes that we've seen to the roster, Demarcus Beasley is coming in. Uh, I, I think maybe we could start seeing shuffle there. Maybe we see uh, Beasley at left back and Johnson at right back. I think we could absolutely see that. Um, you know, with Beasley and the experience that he has. All right, well, enough. I'm going to cap the defense talk right there. We can talk about that a little more when we preview the quarterfinals. Moving up to the midfield, um, I mean, look, Michael Bradley, obviously we've talked about this the last two months. He's going through the resurgence. You've definitely seen his play at the club level for Toronto FC. He's also stepped his game back up for the U.S. men's national team. He uh, scores a goal against Panama. I mean, Michael Bradley, I mean, it's a, I mean, he's been back for a while, but, I mean, he's just watching him play. It's, just, it's such a treat every single week. All right, I mean, I mean to be fair, I don't I don't know if uh I don't know if either of those matches were 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 his top level. Uh I don't think the Panama game was necessarily him at his best. I thought he did well. Uh I didn't think it was a great game overall for 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 the team. I thought the second game, the Haiti game, from a positioning standpoint, it wasn't a comfortable one for him. Um I think uh there there is something to be said for, you know, when you have two forwards above Dempsey and then you have Mike Bradley having to drop deeper. Uh, it's not the most comfortable setup for him. Um, but still, Bradley's Bradley. He still gives you such a high level. Um, and him and Beckerman, I think it's going to be the partnership. I mm-hmm. think that's what we're going to see in the knockout rounds. And I think we're going to see now that Josie Altidore is, is out. Uh, if we were gonna, I mean, we're going to touch on this later, but we can just touch on it now. Josie Altidore is one of the three players who's been sent home mm-hmm. after the group stages. We had Altidore, Greg Garza, and Alfredo Morales, and I think we're going to see more of Jassy's artist at forward. And uh, I think the reason for, or, or you know, either we see that or we see Aaron Johansson at forward. But I think Zardis, wherever you put him, the guy has shown that he can make an impact and that he's gaining confidence and that he's playing with a real purpose right now. So uh, I, I think from that standpoint, having Dempsey further up, giving Bradley the opportunity to stay further up, and letting Kyle Beckerman just sit deep and, and control things, I think that's going to be the way to go with this with this particular lineup. Bedoya being healthy is huge for them because mm-hmm. I think he you need what he can give you on the wing. I mean, just his energy, his ability to go at uh, people, to time his runs well, to provide service. He does it all. And, and, and you know, whether it's on the right or on the left, I think he's going to be a great option for them. Well, you, you talk about Aaron Johansson. Um, against Panama, I mean, he, he just did not have a good game, Ivis. And, and also another player that is no longer with his team. Alfredo Morales, largely ineffective throughout the entire match when he was in there, too. And it's unfortunate out of these two guys, especially Aaron Johansson, when you've seen the potential, you've seen what he can do. And then all of a sudden, in the last few months for the U.S., I mean, Aaron Johansson just he doesn't seem to fit into place. Also, back piggybacking on that, Alfredo Morales, I mean, just a very poor effort against Panama for him. I mean, chances for him are, are, are going to slowly run out. I mean, he's going to have to step up very soon for the squad. I wouldn't. I, I wouldn't agree with uh, with the Johansson one. I mean, I thought Johansson against Haiti was very good. I thought he was very active in that game, and I thought he showed some of the qualities. He should have had a goal. The referee uh, and the uh, AR uh, ruled him offside when he wasn't offside. But he was. I thought for me, he was very good in that game, and I thought he showed in that game that he can give you something as a forward. Uh, Morales, he's not ready. He's not ready to be on this uh, on this level. He doesn't really fit in. Uh, 
uh, and he doesn't really give you more than the other options that are there. So I totally, you totally understand why he comes out. And now Joe Corona comes in, and, and Joe Corona is a great addition because if you think about the idea that you want to play Zardis more as a forward and you need a little bit more, more, uh, more of an option on the wings, Joe Corona is that guy. Joe Corona can play on the wings. He can play centrally. So he can give you – he has so much – he can give you so much variety there. So I think he's a perfect call-up for Klinsman. Uh, the one, the one call-up we haven't talked about yet is Alan Gordon. Yes, folks, Alan Gordon is on the team, knockout rounds. Uh, and that's going to be something. And I know some people look at it and say, what is Klinsman thinking? Is he, is he crazy? Look, Gordon serves a purpose. He has a very specific skill set. You know, he's, some, he's a guy you can bring in to make things happen later in matches when you need somebody – to kind of unsettle a defense, to beat up a defense, to get in there, get in the penalty area, make something happen late in the game. The guy, he makes things happen. I mean, say what you want. Well, he's an aerial threat. The U.S. The U.S. needs someone late in games who can get their head on the ball. Absolutely. And uh, so, yeah, so I, I have no problem with that uh, that decision, uh, uh, That especially when, when, as Klinsman put it, Altidore just isn't ready. And Altidore is just, from a fitness standpoint, just wasn't fitting in, and he and it just didn't look like he was going to catch up. And uh, so, you know, from that standpoint, for Al- Altidore, obviously it's a t- the tough timing of it all. And it did, I do find it funny how people all of a sudden want to throw dirt on his grave, on his national team grave, because of just what's happened the last few months. And, uh, you know. Everyone's since, so quick, then they'll score two goals, and amazing how everyone will just forget. What have you done for me lately? It's, it, it, it's, it, 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 it always shouldn't be like that, though. It's just how it is, I man. Know, but it shouldn't I mean, be like that. Right. But you know what? I'm sure he'll be fine once he gets back to 100%. The problem with Althroy is I just, I, you know, fitness has always been a bit of an issue for him. He's a very, he's a very uh, particular uh, kind of athlete where he, need, he needs things to be really perfect for him to kind of settle into where, he, where his comfort zone is. And I just think he came into the Gold Cup not – 100%. And with the way the games were in this tournament, the way the heat was in this tournament, it just was not a great setting for him to get to his comfort zone. And he never got there. And I know people want to bag on him because, you know, he look, he looks lazy, he looks slow, and he wasn't fit. There's no doubt that he wasn't fit. But as I said, he's a very particular uh, type of athlete who needs things to, to kind of be set in motion for him in, in, a, in a very specific way. And I think he'll be fine once he gets back with Toronto FC. He'll get his fitness back. I think once we get to World Cup qualifying later in the year, he's going to be right back in the mix. He will be. Of and course. I know people are in love with Jossie Zardes now. And, and look, I've been on the Zardes bandwagon since day one. Before he even turned pro, I talked about him as a top prospect coming out of college. Um, he's he's an exciting player, no question. But let's, any he's people, not any, he's not the same player that Josie Altador is. Well, two totally not, different players. Right, right. But the point is, people who want to just conveniently just write off Altador because there yeah. is this other kind of new toy on the horizon. Like you, I think you're being a little presumptuous, premature, if you're already writing out. But, but that's the thing with Josie Altador is is the, take the World Cup for example, right? Josie Altador goes down with a hamstring injury. Who is the, the boss target forward up top that can take a pounding, that can throw defenders off of him? U.S. didn't have that at the World Cup. So, so, as, so as, as far as everyone's ready to, 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 you know, like you said, throw dirt on Josie Altidore, who, who's the replacement? There is no natural replacement, a guy that can just step in and do what Josie Altidore does for the U.S. men's national team. Alan Gordon is a nice fit. Is he Alan Gordon a World, World Cup player? No, in no way. But is he a player that can compete in CONCACAF where it's physical it's 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 dominating play in the box. Yes, Alan Gordon will succeed at that, and and that's why this is a good move for him. For everyone, 
getting rid of Josie Altidore, that's insane to me because there's, there's just no natural replacement for him right now on this roster. Plus, he's not a bad player either. Everyone's just Everyone needs to relax on that, Ivis. Well, the U.S. will play the quarterfinals on Saturday. As Ivis said earlier, it will be El Salvador, Guatemala, or Cuba. The match will be in Baltimore. That is this Saturday. Um, Ivis, I'm a little concerned about your allegiances here now. U.S. versus Peru has been announced. It will be on September 3rd. How conflicted are you going to be at this match? Vamos, Peru, vamos! Yeah, exactly. There it is. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. No, you're not. Uh, you're, not be- you're not kidding. I know you're 100% serious right now. Okay, before anyone actually takes it seriously, listen, I am a professional journalist, and this is not the first USA-Peru match I have covered or will have covered, just so everybody knows. I was there in Florida at the Gold Cup in 2000. For USA Peru, and uh, again, great experience. Uh, you know, one of my first caps as a as a reporter covering the national team, uh, and I think this is going to be a great match. It's going to be a great opportunity, uh, a good, a really good test for the U.S. And, and and I remember when this this match was first kind of rumored um, at that time, and you, you kind of looked at it and says, ah, where's Peru right now? Is that really a good test? But we saw Peru in the in the in the Copa Liber, sorry Copa America, and they go. were ex- they were excellent. They were excellent. I mean, they finished third place. They could have, you know what, against Chile in the semifinals, they could have won that game if not for the red card. I thought it was a bogus red card, personally. Maybe I'm biased. I am, but uh, <laughs> they played they played they played well, and and I think it's gonna be a good test for the Americans. And uh, I will be there. I'll be in the press box. I will not be wearing any jerseys. I will not, I, I will be a a completely impartial. Uh, reporter covering the match. Well, for the U.S., that closes out their September. They also have Brazil in September too. So look, those are those. But are, that's not official, by the way. You're right. I'm it's sorry. Still not that's official. not official. USA, but I mean, USA, come on. USA Brazil is not official. However, the Boston Globe, our man Frank Delapa, reported recently USA Brazil at Gillette Stadium on September 8th. And again, it should be a great test. Not sure at this point if Neymar will play in that match because obviously. He's had, he has the suspension off of the Copa uh, Copa America, and it sounds like maybe Dunga's not going to be in a hurry to play him in these fr- in in friendlies leading up to uh, qualifiers because since he already, since he won't have him, he doesn't want to have to put him into their preparation. So uh, hopefully for for the fans who want to go to that game, hopefully Neymar does play. But even if he doesn't play, I think Brazil's got enough star power and enough promising young star power to make it worth people wanting to go. All right, well, Ivis, speaking of the USA-Peru game, I know you're not going to have a jersey at that game. I'm sure you actually have a Peru one underneath your shirt up in the press box. But if you want to gear up for the game or just gear up in general, you can go to SoccerLoco.com, enter in SBI10, and you get 10% off your entire order when you're at the cart window. Um, a great opportunity if you're looking to get some new jerseys. I know Soccer Local just has the new Arsenal kits for the new season coming up. You can get U.S., um, Look, right now, Ivis, it's a great time, man. Lots of jerseys coming out right now. No, yeah, it's that time of year, man. It's the summer. Everybody's getting their jerseys. I'm get, I have to get, pick out a jersey for my son. Uh, I was just checking the Soccer Look website right now, checking out their PSG uh, selections. Uh, I'm, I'm trying to figure out if I'm going to get my son a red one or a blue one. I think he said he wants a blue Ibrahimovic one. We have to work that out. Uh, but, yeah, no, man, if you guys haven't been on Soccer Loco's website, definitely check it out. They have jerseys. They have cleats. Uh, they're definitely their cleat selection uh, is definitely you know it has everything you need on that front. So if you if you need a new pair of cleats for the new season, Soccer Local's website is definitely where you want to be. Yes, and remember when you go there, SBI 10 percent off your entire order. 
right, time to move over to Major League Soccer. I was, this dropped very late on Tuesday night, and it is now finally official. We talked about it for the last couple of weeks. Gio Dos Santos is now a member of the LA Galaxy. It is official. This is now coinciding with the new rule for Major League Soccer that allows teams to have a fourth DP, and uh, this is a major move. I was a Mexican player in his prime moving over to Major League Soccer and being in the Los Angeles community. This is a huge, huge move for the Galaxy and for Major League Soccer. No, this is this is serious business right here. I mean, we, we heard we obviously knew once the league announced the whole targeted allocation mechanism that it was being put in place to allow teams to make big moves, to make even bigger moves beyond the usual three designated players. And this and this rule, you basically you want to call it the Gio the, the Santos rule at this point. Like there was the David Beckham rule. Uh, it, it's uh, <laughs> it's huge. It's huge, man. Gio De Santos at this point in his career, for him to choose MLS, I mean that speaks volumes. You know, mm-hmm. we're talking about one of the top stars on the Mexican national team choosing um, the U.S. over Mexico. You have to think some Mexican fans are unhappy. Uh, about this turn of events because this is definitely another step towards MLS closing the gap on Liga MX. And it's again, it's only one player, but these are the kind of moments that can set a trend and can and start turning things in, in, a, in a different direction. And, and before we even kind of get into that, I mean, I, I am going to point out the fact, look, Mexican clubs spend a lot more money than MLS teams. And, and we're talking top to bottom. I mean, you take a player like Greg Garza, who is a you know a left back in Liga MX? I mean, he makes more money than I mean, if he with the money, from my understanding, the money that he makes in Mexico, I mean, he'd be he'd be one of the highest paid, if not the highest paid, defender in MLS. And here's a guy who you know you wouldn't say he's like the one of the best uh, defenders in Liga MX. Uh, he's a guy who's he's just now making a move to a new club, moving away on loan from Tijuana. Uh, he, he's on that kind of big money, so it just get, puts it all in a little perspective for you. That being said, a move like Gio De Santos that closes the gap. And then also Chicharito Hernandez. There's talk about mm-hmm. Hernandez. There's been talk for a while about it, and for a long time it seemed like okay, this is this is uh, agent uh, floating rumor time, you know, uh, trying to pump up their players' prices. But this is a very very real situation right now. Uh, Chicharito, Orlando City is really trying to make a play for him. Uh, Orlando City officials have gone on record as saying yes, they've had conversations and they're interested. So if they if if MLS can pull off. A Gio De Santos Chicharito double. I mean, this that, is a huge. That is a huge step in the right direction for MLS. And um, we, you can argue about the way the way the, the the rules are and the mechanisms and how it's all a little convoluted. The whole targeted allocation thing and it, it's confusing. And and if you're not a, an accountant, you can easily get caught up in all the in all the every all the crap that that goes into how MLS handles its salary cap. Um, but you know what? As convoluted as it is, at the end of the day, what matters is if MLS can allow teams to bring in more and more talent, more and more star players. Who cares? Let it happen. I know there's already you know a bit a bit of backlash, a bit of concern from some fans from certain markets who are looking at it like, oh great, the Galaxy are going to run away with everything now. NYCFC's r- running away with it. The big markets are 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 going to start running away with the league. There is nothing that stops teams from the in the league. From, buy, from going out and signing big players. And I know, obviously, yes, we get it. Small markets have tougher times draw, attracting international star players. I get that. But you know what? Tough. That's tough. That's life. That's how it goes. That's how it is in a lot of in, – in, in, in every sport. 
You know, it's, it's easier like to that ch- in every sport except for except for the NFL. That's the only sport right. where you can where where like the Green Bay Packers, for example, could survive. But in every other sport, it does exist. That's just the reality of life. It is what it is. You know what? It, I'm sorry. It, it, I'd what, rather live in L.A. than no offense, Columbus. I no, mean. see, that, that's, that's <laughs> not even the point. The point is, you know what? If you're in a smaller market and you're and your team, you know, you're you're a supporter of a team from a smaller market. The people who run your team need to be smarter than everybody else. Uh, and, and need to and, and need to make smart pickups. I mean, and, and that's how you win. I mean, that's how Garth Lagerwey and Real Salt Lake did it for a long time. The Columbus Crew won a title with Siggy Schmidt. Uh, you know, they they didn't exactly have a, a roster full of superstars. I mean, I know obviously uh, uh, Skeloto was the star on that team, but you know they built that team. Obviously, you could say, oh, but it's a new era now that everybody has three-plus DPs. Yeah, but I that's, that. that's still no guarantee that you're going to win the MLS Cup, though. You have to have a team. You have, you have to have to, 11 right. players on the field who all complement each other. Right. It's still about creating a, a balanced Look, team. And, and I don't know if everyone has, well, has – every, not everybody's equipped to do that. Not everyone's front office is smart enough to do that. But I think, you know what, the Galaxy, uh, Seattle, I mean, I think there are teams that, you know what, their leadership ha- have the track record. And before you go saying, oh, it's a big market thing, it's not just a big market thing. It's a combination of big market and a exactly. competent, intelligent leadership. And you're right. You still have to have a team um, of 11 players. Look at the LA Galaxy. Outside of their DPs, they still have a good roster. You have guys like Juninho, uh, Sebastian Legit, Dan Gargan, AJ De La Garza, Robbie Rogers. I mean, those are very good players. <laughs> Dan, Dan, okay, look, no offense to Dan Gargan. I'm just like, saying, but I'm just saying. But you didn't look, even say Jassy's artist. How do you say okay, Dan I'm go, Gargan? I'm, I'm missing, dude, there's a lot of players. <laughs> the point is, there's a lot of players in the Galaxy. Okay. Who see this? Okay, the point is I'm saying there's a lot of players on the Galaxy. Edson Buttle. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, come on, bro. Dan Gargan. I love, hey, listen, he's a... He's a, he's he's a, a you know, but that's what I'm saying. You have to have guys like him on the guy, roster. You have to have guys he, like... Okay, he's a, he look. He, these are just guys who are popping in my head, okay? The point is you have to have a full team. Look at DC United, Ivis. Perfect example. They don't have any top-level DPs on their team, yet they still seem to be performing pretty well. So it can be done without DPs. Look Does at that DC. mean they're gonna, but are they going to win the title? No, but uh, look, they're competing though. You know, they're not exactly a, a pushover right now in the Eastern Conference, and well, they have the best record. They have the most. As points I'm saying, in the league. as I'm saying, but the point right. is, it can be done. That's that's. But yeah, that's but you know what? There's a. I honestly see. Here's the thing. I think there's a. I think there's a ceiling to that, and I think for every owner in this league, the, the, this is the message to every owner in this league: you cannot get by without spending in MLS anymore. Of course, you can't. You can, now you still have. It, it, not everyone has the deep pockets of a New York City FC, or an LA, or a Seattle, or apparently Orlando City, or obviously Toronto. But even if you have to be frugal, you still have to spend. There is a bot. There is a kind of minimum threshold that I think every team is going to have to come to grips with. They're going to have to accept the fact that look, we might be small market, but but we need to at least have one big time player on our team. We need to make sure we at least have that. Because the whole getting by with just a roster full of veterans, yes, that'll get you some results, but it's never going to win you. For me, I don't see it ever winning you a title. I don't think we'll ever see, and I, you, you, every, people can bring this up if I'm proven wrong, but I don't think we'll ever see a day where a team that doesn't have a legitimate big money designated player wins a title. I just don't see it. I, I, don't, I think those days well, are that, over. That window's, well, that window's also closing, too. I mean, teams, as the league starts making more money, teams will have more money to spend. That window of, of teams like D.C. United, Real Salt Lake, I mean, that's, that, that's going to 
I mean, you know, it's it's going to be a different era. I mean, MLS is going to be a different. But era teams are fighting. But you know what? There's still going to be teams that even to this day, right now, are 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 having to get pushed into that era. And that's that's all. That's the point I'm making is that there are owners out there who, you know what? They've gotten by not spending big money, and they've done it for years. But guess what? You can't do it anymore. Now teams are gonna they're, they're gonna have to prove. You know, prove that they're committed to this thing, that they're going to really spend some money, and their and their owners, uh, any owner. I mean, New England is a prime example, right? They they built a great team. Uh, they're struggling right now. They're they're in one of these roller coaster slumps that, like we saw last year, they spent the money on Jermaine Jones. Credit to them. They did get. They did. They finally spent some money. They got themselves Jermaine Jones. Obviously, he's hurt. Uh, but you look at New England. They're a team that that learned that lesson. That hey, we have to spend. And I think more and more teams are going to get off of that whole, you know, we can avoid having to put seven figures on a player. I think I think between now and two years from now, anybody who still isn't spending big money on at least one or two players is going to just be sitting in the cellar. Well, look, I hope DC United wins the cup to prove you wrong, Ivis. Nah, to prove I, you wrong. Yeah. Well, hey, listen, man, we'll see. We'll see. But you know what? Um, I, I, look, I know I agree. You have to spend the money. You have to. That's just, uh, that's just what it comes down to. Is it? Is it? I, yeah. I mean, here's the thing. I know I'm not sitting here naive enough to think that we're gonna have a day anytime soon, where every one of the teams in the league has four, three, four, five DPS. I don't think that's gonna happen. But I think every team's gotta have at least one or two guys, at least two legitimate top end guys. And and, and, then, those a few, teams, and then a few and then a few Dan Gargans out there too. And Dan Gargan, hey, listen, man, Dan Gargan throwing, throwing Dan shade Gargan, on him, Ivis. Sir, Come on, hey, I like, hey, first of all, I know, I, <laughs> I know, I'm messing with you. I know, know Dan Gargan. I'm cool with Dan Gargan. I know, I'm, mess, I'm messing with a, you. He's a lunch bell guy. He could be on my team any day of the week. I'm just saying, when you're rattling off the names, I know, of the he players popped on in my head. I he, I don't know why. Go a little bit lower. He popped. He popped into my head. You were like, ladies and gentlemen, introducing your LA Galaxy, Steven Gerrard. Gio De Santos, Dan Gargan. <laughs> I'm like, what? Like, like okay. He pop, he, for some reason, he popped into my head. I don't know why. Yeah. He's so. a good player. I, you know what? I enjoy watching him play. That's why. Nah, he's good. He works hard, he's man. Good. He works hard. All right, Ivis. And, and he parties like, like when he wins a title, he knows how to party. Yeah. I think the whole Galaxy team knows how to party. Um. Look, we'll, we'll talk about the debate of, uh, of DPs taking over Major League Soccer. We need to move on and talk a little bit about the MLS All-Star Game. Lots of uh, chatter and controversy coming out of this one. You have the MLS All-Star Game Fan 11 that the fans voted on. Somehow, um, Sebastian G- uh, Giovinco is not on there. That's insane. What's more insane, but I don't find anything wrong with this, is that Don Garber, his commissioner picks is... Frank Lampard, who has yet to play a game, and Steven Gerrard, who has played one game. They are in the All-Star game. Ivis, I don't see anything wrong with that. It's an exhibition game, and um, I don't get why everyone's freaking out. Come on, man. Really? I'm serious. serious. It's an exhibition back, game. I, I, who okay. cares? It's not a who cares. It, who cares? A lot of people care. Fans care. Players care. Did you see the reaction when? when that, that's a good thing. That's a good thing. But to attract, but the MLS, ML, yeah, but, but MLS is still growing though. They're still trying to reach those people that are still like, eh, but they're going to see still a name like Frank stage. Lampard. They'll be like, oh, maybe I'll watch. They're still at a stage where they can alienate their players. Oh, good to know. Okay, listen, man. This is what it comes down to. No one's sitting here acting like the All Star Game is some like religious body that like you can't offend the All Star Game. It's only an exhibition. I agree with you. That being said, it's still part. It's a major. It's an event, 
run by a league that has players it needs to respect. And the decision to put these two two guys in who haven't played a single minute into an event that's supposed to showcase the league's best players is an insult to the players in the league. This isn't just me saying it. This is the players themselves saying it. You saw the reaction on Twitter. I I know, I know. I put put a tweet out there uh, uh, about this. And there were, I think, at least a dozen or half dozen players retweeted it because they agreed with it. I mean, it's, it's, I get why Garber did it, right? And and this isn't, I, I I know it almost feels like it's crap on Don Garber week uh, after the whole women's national team parade fiasco. That was bad. I I will admit that was bad. We'll get to that later. However, I always, I feel like, look, this all-star event has been going on for a while. The all-star game has been going on for a while and the league has managed to avoid this kind of move for this long and to and to and to have gone this long without this kind of move and now to do it just feels desperate i mean i remember when beckham came in he even himself said yeah you know i don't know i i i wouldn't have felt right playing in this game i remember him saying that but you know what now we're gonna have two guys gerard and lampard who haven't even played yet and now they're already going to play in this game. It's a joke. And I get they need to try to sell this game. It's in Colorado. Not everybody's in a rush to go to Colorado. It's against, against Tottenham. Not everybody's crazy about, about Tottenham enough to go to Colorado. So the game is probably struggling a bit, right? It's probably not selling tickets like they'd hoped. It's probably not drawing much buzz like they'd hoped. So they're looking at this like, hey, we have two new toys. Let's throw them into the mix, and then maybe we can boost our ratings. Excellent. Boost the interest. I get that. I Excellent. get that. More money, but, more money for Major League Soccer. Excellent. But you know what? They could they could have done it without that. They could have, you know what? Make Javinko. Look, Javinko is not uh, an international star from a, a notoriety standpoint as Lampard or Gerard, obviously. But you know what? The guy's been the best player in the league in the first half of the season. Guess what, Don Garber? You should have acknowledged him and put him in the game before you had Gerard Lampard in there. I, 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 that was just my opinion. I thought it really took it, treated it as a joke. And I will say this before I forget anything else. I know a lot of people were hammering the fans' selections, right? I don't have a problem with that because you know what? Fans vote for who they want to see in this game. Nowhere does it has it ever said uh, uh, that fans have to vote for who the best players are. No. Fans vote for who they want to see. So I don't have a problem with that. I don't have a problem that they left Javinko off because most fans, most American fans, aren't up on Javinko yet. They, 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 they don't, he's not as familiar to them as a lot of these other players that made the team are. So from that standpoint, I don't have an issue with it. Is that is that fan eleven the true best eleven? Of course not. Kai Kamara's not on the team. Ethan Finley. People who follow the league know who the true stars of the first half of the season are. But that's a whole other thing. Fans should be allowed to vote for who they want to see, for who they like, for who their favorite players are. That's what that's about. Now, what what Garber did was something completely different because that just felt like a complete a complete marketing ploy. That that managed to not only piss off his fans but alienate his players. Well, of course, it's a marketing ploy. <laughs> yeah, but you have to consider your employees, man. You have to consider the people within your league and how they're going to react to it. It's not like I just think it was a misstep. I just think I don't think Garber took took it all in as a, and, and I I don't know, man. I I thought it was a mistake. And, and you know what? Don't announce it that day then. Like, do, I don't know. I don't know. I just think it could have been handled differently. And I doubt very highly Steven Gerrard and Frank Lampard are, are, are going to Garber. Hey, we want to play in this game. Make sure you put us in this game. It has nothing to do with that. I'm sure both those guys could care less about playing in this game. But 
I just think the message is sent to the to uh, the players in the league and to the fans was not a good one. Not a good one. And I get that you're trying to draw in those fans who you haven't won over yet. I get that. That's a big part of what ML- MLS mm-hmm. does. But you know what? I think I, I get. I feel like you alienated just as many more. You alienated more fans than you could possibly draw in, and and you gave more ammunition to people who love to crap on MLS. And I know, look, and I always find that funny because there's that segment of, 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 the, of the population, of the, of the soccer fan population in this country that doesn't like MLS, that hates MLS, that laughs at MLS, that, j- that just, just clowns on MLS any chance they get. And this, is a, this was a perfect opportunity. This is more ammo for them. And you know what? Should we care what those people think? Because they're not, not, not really, but at the same time, when, when they have a field day with something like this, it, it kind of shows you, like, you know what? This was not a good move. And speaking of uh, Frank Lampard, he unfortunately was not able to play this past week. He picked up a calf injury. Um, Hopefully for him, he's available to play this weekend. Um, NYCFC will be on the road against New England Revolution. And uh, and finally, Ivis, it's been, been, I mean, it seems like it's been forever. It's only been like six months since this whole Frank Lampard MLS finally comes over, plays. I mean, hopefully this weekend, what, five days, we'll finally get to see Frank Lampard play Major League Soccer. Well, I think at this point, as long as he's healthy for the All-Star game, everyone will be be happy. Uh, Now, you know what? It was an unfortunate uh, injury. The timing of the injury wasn't great. Um, Already some conspiracy theories about, oh, was he always hurt? Did he he come over injured? No, you know, he had a calf strain. He he was forced to miss the match. Is he going to play next weekend on the turf? I I don't know if I'd be a fan of that move. I, I don't know if that'd be the smartest move. I think at this point, the safe bet, sit him out, let him play. At home, uh, when Andrea Pirlo is supposed to make his debut, you could debut the two of them uh, at home at Yankee Stadium, and I think that'll be a great scene. Unfortunately, uh, I think a lot of people might miss that game because it's also the same day as the Gold Cup final, uh, which, you know what, knock on wood, will be USA-Mexico, which, as we all know, takes top priority over everything. Yeah, that is unfortunate for Major League Soccer to have that game be on the CONCACAF uh, Gold Cup Finals match. You're also playing Orlando City, so Kaka. I mean, that's, that's a, a lot of hype with that game. Um, one thing, Ivis, that we haven't talked about, we talked about the name, Atlanta United FC. We haven't talked about the logo yet, the crest that did come out last week. What are your thoughts on it? I'm very uh, 50-50 on it. I, thought it was, I think it's a pretty sharp crest, man. I... I uh... Someone sent me a, a a hat in the mail with a logo on it, and I checked it out. The colors are nice. The it looks good, man. I I, I know there's some questions about the name and how plain it is. Now, you know, obviously I've been on the road lately. I was in Dallas, uh, and I was in Kansas City for the national team games, and I, I actually met some fans from Atlanta. And the sense I get is that they're okay with it. They don't think it's terrible. They don't think it's amazing, but they're, they're okay with it. It'll grow on them. I know some people hate it. But I feel like the, I feel like more people who hate it are not actually people in Atlanta. I know there's people in Atlanta who hate it, no question. But I, you know what? It's one of those things where five years from now we'll get used to it. What I don't get, or what I think it's it, it's it's funny to me a little bit, and and I feel like we touched on this before, and I feel like it's pick on DC show. Uh, I feel like every show is pick on DC show. But uh, the people who are who are up in arms about the fact that they're using United, they're using black and red. How dare they? DC United. They have the they have the the trademark on black and red and on wearing United on having United in their name. United is a common thing. DC United does not own it. Number one. Number two. How many teams in Atlanta in their sports market wear black and red? I, I think almost all of them. Right. I mean, 
It's it's a, the city. The, the, the Falcons the Fal- do. The, Falcons the Braves. Do, the the Braves wear red and blue. Red and blue, but the red the uh, the Hawks wear it. The so Hawks it, are red and white, I believe. They're black too. They're red. They're but black they, in there too. I think you watch NBA. At all. Red, red is a big color, and black is a big color in the in the other sports. So I don't, I like, I don't have a problem with it. I don't, I don't get like black and red are pretty. They're pretty standard colors. I mean, it's not like it's teal, right? It's not like you know, rave green. It's not like Atlanta's coming in and say, "Hey, we're gonna wear a rave green." Like, no, like red and black. Like, get over it, man. Teams have similar colors. It happens. Liverpool and Man United. Uh, our our fierce rivals, they're a, a short drive away from each other. They both wear red and they deal with it, right? I mean, who cares? Like, it's well, don't worry about the other team. It is what it is. Like, it's like I don't know, man. It, I, I feel like it's a little a little hypersensitivity there. Hey, they're just very proud of their team and their colors, and you know, it's just that's just a loyalty thing. That's a good thing. Um, on Tuesday night, Ivis, we did have a U.S. Open Cup match. Real Salt Lake at home took care of business. They p- defeated the LA Galaxy 1-0 to on a uh, <coughs> very late goal um, from Aaron Mon. And for Real Salt Lake to defeat the Galaxy, I mean, that's a big result for them. They advance to the next round in the U.S. Open Cup. That's a big one for them, of course. The, the way their season's going, uh, it, it, things are not headed in a positive direction uh, in terms of the results in the league. I mean, when you look at at what their their run is right now, I mean, they've gone four without a win. Uh, they they, they finished. They're actually last. They're in last place in the in the last SBI power rankings. I know that I know that doesn't really mean a lot, but I mean, just look that at mean, the Western. That means everything. Come on, that man. means everything. I mean, they're don't they're, don't they're, don't discredit what those rankings mean. Okay, they're ninth place in the West. <laughs> right? Ninth out of ten teams, and they just got smoked by the team that's tenth in the in the standing. So. Uh, that it's it, 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 they needed this. They needed this something to, to kind of hang their hat on. Mm-hmm. Uh, and maybe we're having another kind of DC United situation, like the year when they they were atrocious in league play, but they still found a way to win the Open Cup. And the thing with RSL is, as bad as their results have been, I feel like they have a team that should be able to do better. And obviously, right now they're missing Beckerman, they're missing Romando, uh, they're they're missing other players for 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 um, Gold Cup. But you know what? Let's see. Right now they are seven out. And that's the thing. They're seven out of a playoff spot, but the team that they're seven behind is Sporting KC, who has three games in hand. So you know what? Right now, it's really going to be tough for Salt Lake to make the playoffs. However, now they're into the semifinals of the uh, of the Open Cup. And uh, if you're Jeff Kassar, you got to feel, be feeling pretty good about that because if you don't make the playoffs, at least if you can win an Open Cup, it still will be a pretty decent season. Oh, oh of course for real. So, like, that'd be huge. You get back in CONCACAF Champions League, you get that bonus money. Also want to point out that 2013 D.C. United team that was just abysmal in regular season play but did well in the Open Cup, um, not as bad as we would say RSL's not, RSL this year is not as bad as that 2013 D.C. United team. That, that D.C. United team was just, they were, they were pretty bad. They were pretty bad. And this RSL team, as bad as it is results-wise, is, um, I mean, look, if you, this is the crazy part, right? If you put RSL in the Eastern Conference, they'd be a point out of a playoff spot with a game in hand. Yeah. I mean, it just shows you the disparity. Uh, I mean, they'd be they'd be looking pretty good right now. Uh, they, they actually they actually have a better points per game than New England, who is in sixth place in the East. So uh, it, you know, maybe they should See, petition I, the league to move to the Eastern Conference. But uh, no, petition yeah, no. the league to have a single table. I mean, this just just this just validates that argument, Ivis, that Eastern Western Conference is just a waste of time. 
I don't know about that. I disagree there. I think I think you're gonna. I think there's always gonna be swings. I think there's always cases. I know. I know. I know. So, uh, but no. I mean, at the end of the day, they're still 15th in the single table format, so they're not lighting it up. To be fair, Um, but no, man. I I I think this. I think they're gonna have a strong second half. I don't think it'll be enough to get in the playoffs, but you know, I I think. I still think there's some promise left in the season for RSL. Well, RSL is in now the semifinals of the U.S. Open Cup. Um, the other games that will be played, if you're curious, um, July 21st, you have New York Red Bulls taking on the Union, Sporting Kansas City taking on the Houston Dynamo, and then on July 22nd, you have the Chicago Fire taking on uh, Orlando City. So these games will be played a week from now. Ivis, we had some really thrilling games this past weekend. Um, in Major League Soccer, the regular season continues even through um, the Gold Cup. And Toronto FC missing Jose Altidore, missing Michael Bradley. You think that they would struggle. Not the case. Um, Jovinko continues to impress for them. He had a hat trick and nine minutes for them. And this game was back and forth. Toronto FC, New York City FC played to a 4-4 game. You had three penalties in this one. You had goals back and forth. You had... Um, David Villa going against Jovinko. I mean, this if if you missed this game or you did not see any highlights, go watch it. It was awesome. It was nonstop action throughout the entire 90 minutes. Wait a minute. Toronto FC gave up four goals. I, I wouldn't say they're, you know, crushing it. But uh but no, good result for them. They got a point on the road. Uh both neither of these teams uh put on a defensive clinic. Let's let's be straight on that. I mean, credit to Jovinko, he's excellent. But it was the defending on both sides was atrocious. And uh, they both need to work on that. And it's funny that, you know, both teams have multiple DPs that, that, w- that will join them soon enough. We got Pirlo, Lampard on one end, Altador, Bradley on the other. You know, none of those guys are center backs. None of those guys are, are going to lock up the defense. Obviously, having Bradley will help the defense a bit. Having Lampard and Pirlo will help, the, the, help NYCFC keep possession a bit. But... But for both these teams, I mean, defensively, they, they've got to – they can't be happy. They can't be happy. So uh, while it's fun for the fans to see all the goals and the excitement, if you're a coach, if you're a coach you are never happy if your team's given up four goals. And, and, I, and, and, nothing, and I'm not saying that Toronto is doing well. I agree. Both teams' defense performance in this one was abysmal, and, and both teams still have things that they have to work out going forward. Um, Sporting Kansas City – picked up their fourth win in five matches. They're on a tear right now. Um, they've been playing very, very well. They defeated the Vancouver Whitecaps 1-0. Um, to zero. And, and like I said, I was, I mean, just like that, Sporting Kansas City slowly climbing up the Western Conference standings, and they've been playing some great soccer over the last two months. i tell you what, man. Not only are they playing well, but there seem to be rumblings about some moves in their horizon, some big moves in their horizon. Uh, no word yet on what those moves are, but uh, I did run into Rob Heinemann, the owner of Sporting Kansas City. I actually ran into him uh, at down at the U.S. match, and he stopped me and he goes, uh, he says, he says they're going to win MLS Cup, and he asked me if I agree with him, and I was like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, like I, I think you are going to win MLS Cup. So, uh, you know what? They're in that conversation, man. And for all this talk about DPS and big stars, uh. You know what? Like I like I said earlier, I think every team like you gotta you gotta go get your big superstar. I know they have DPS. I know they've signed their like Beasler and, and Grzusi to, to to nice deals, but I think they need to go get themselves a superstar. And it sounds like maybe they'll have one coming. New York Red Bulls all over New England Revolution, defeating them four to one. New York within the first twelve minutes of the game was up three zero. Bradley Wright Phillips with an early brace in this one, and for New York Red Bulls. 
That's three wins in the last four matches. New England now their fifth loss in a row. I mean, they're pretty much the punching bag for the whole league right now. And uh, and for New York, Ivis, look, they they did what they need to do. New England struggling, they took care of business, and then and very early on, put New England out of the match. It was un- It was a, it was just stomping, absolute beatdown. And if you're New England right now, you're writing a letter and you're going, "Dear Jermaine Jones, come back soon. We can't live without you." Love the Revs. They miss Jermaine Jones so badly. And I know people will say, oh, why, how, how can one player make such a difference? Well, he can. He can absolutely make a difference. It's still up to them to play better as a unit. It's not all on Jermaine Jones, no question. But it is kind of crazy how we're seeing it. It's like a duplicate. It's like a mirror image of 2014 all over again. Yeah. They, start, they started great. Uh, first third of the season, and now we're into the second third of the season, and they're atrocious. And, you know, Jay Heaps, man, I don't know. Uh, you know, maybe they feel confident about being able to turn it around since they did it last year. But having said that, I think they're going to have to make a trade here. I think defensively, I think they came into this season uh, with a bit of a bare-bones defensive uh, setup in terms of options. And I think they thought they could get by. They had Jermaine Jones, who they could swap in. Now he's hurt. Uh, Darius Barnes is hurt. Uh, they just they're struggling, man. And I think with with all the attacking players that they have, they need they're going to have to trade somebody. I think they're going to take one of these attacking players and go get themselves some defensive depth because they need it because their defense is an absolute mess. Philadelphia Union defeated Portland Timbers three to zero. Philadelphia about a month and a half ago, Ivis. Remember they they won three out of four matches, and all of a sudden you're kind of thinking, okay, Philadelphia starting to turn things around. They then went out. Lost back-to-back matches, including that 5-1 to loss to the LA Galaxy. Since then, they have three matches. They have two wins and one draw and are playing much better, defeating. And you definitely saw that in the result against Portland Timbers, um, defeating them 3-0. to And I don't want to get too ahead of myself here, Ivis, but if Philadelphia continues to play that they're playing, I mean, they've, they've played some decent soccer for the last month and a half. I mean, this is a team that has a legit shot to make the playoffs after struggling for the most part throughout the season. Slowly but surely... They're climbing up. I mean, they're with New England struggling the way they are. Uh, right now, Philly is is two points out of a playoff spot. They have a game in hand on New England. They're two points behind Columbus. Columbus has a game in hand on them. But uh, you know what, Jim Curtin, man, credit to him. I mean, they they were at a at a certain point. They looked like you know what, this is not going to be the year. Um, obviously, they had that run early in the year where they they lost uh, four straight. They they were winless in five. Uh, now when you look at it, and they put together this little three-match and beaten streak, and they're slowly climbing. So between that and the Open Cup, let's not forget, they're in the quarterfinals of the Open Cup. They're going to play the Red Bulls uh, at Red Bull Arena in the quarterfinals next week. If they beat the Red Bulls and they get to the semifinals, all of a sudden you're talking about, you know what, things are heading in a pretty good direction. And I know people were ready to, to write off Jim Curtin earlier in the year. We're ready to make the change. But I think he has shown now in the last, I don't know, I'd say two months, uh, actually, you even go back to mid-May. From mid-May to now, they're 5-3-1. and one. Uh, the, And they've had some pretty interesting wins. You look at the teams they've beaten. They've beaten D, they beat D.C., they beat the Red Bulls, they beat Columbus, they beat Seattle, and they beat Portland. I mean, right there, I mean, those are some pretty good wins. So I think from that standpoint, uh, they're headed in a pretty good direction. So we'll, we'll see what happens with these next few games for them. Uh, Toronto FC, D.C. United, Red Bulls again, Orlando City. I mean, that's a good run of games that's going to tell us just how seriously we should take the union. 
Seattle Sounders are uh, still in a massive slide. They lost the Chicago Fire one to zero for Seattle. That's now their fourth loss in the last five matches. You know that they're just sitting there and, and praying that Martins comes back, that the Gold Cup ends tomorrow, and Clint Dempsey can come back to this roster. Um, look, Chicago getting a win, good for them. Is it really going to change anything? No, not really. I mean, it's a good result for them to get that goal on stoppage time. But for Seattle, man, they have to stop the bleeding. The amazing thing about this, Ivis, four losses in the last five matches, and yet Seattle is still atop the Western Conference. I mean, that's just amazing that they've struggled like this and yet still are at the top of the Western Conference. Well, but look, if you want to talk about parity, man, look at the Western Conference standings. It's ridiculous right six, now. You got six teams... Who are separated by two points. You have five teams separated by one point. I mean, it's crazy. It's crazy. Um, and I don't think Seattle's is panicking. I don't think they're in panic mode. I think they still feel that, you know what? We built up a nice cushion. Yes, we lost it. But we're going to get our big guys back. And you wonder what Seattle has under their sleeves in terms of roster moves. Because, again, they're a team that has the resources to maximize uh, the new uh, rules and the new the new tools that MLS has given teams now to go sign talent. So I wouldn't be surprised if Seattle does have have some uh, some tricks up their sleeve from a roster standpoint. When you think about that and you think about the fact that Dempsey will be back, uh, Martins will be back, I think they're going to be just fine. I don't think they're panicking. As far as Chicago goes, I think now that they've gotten McGee back, Niarco back, they should be better. And they're not even completely out of the race. I mean, look at them right now. They're still – this is the crazy thing. They're in 10th place. However – uh, they're only they're six points behind New England for the last playoff spot. They have four games in hand on New England. They have two games in hand on Columbus, two games in hand on Orlando City. Uh, so they, I mean, I tell you what, they are not really completely out of it. So um, the, this, I'd say the next few games, the next month, will tell us about Chicago and how seriously we should take them because I know a lot of people are already calling for Yallop's head, Frank Yallop's head as coach. And you know what, I couldn't even argue with them given some of the results. Uh, that we've seen from them. But now when you look at the schedule, they play the Columbus crew twice. They play New England. I mean, those three games, I mean, you know what? If they're serious about turning things around, this is, they when, they, their, this is when they need to turn it around. They need to rack up some points in those games. So Two games we'll against Columbus, you, you win both those games. Whew, that, that's, that's a big six points right there. Yep, we'll see if they can do it. FC Dallas took care of business and defeated Orlando City 2-0. Orlando, we already know they have attacking problems without Kyle Lahren, without Kaká. You know they're going to struggle. So for FC Dallas, look, they, they, they did what they needed to do. They had an opportunity to walk away with some big points. They did, defeated Orlando 2-0. Also, Mauro Diaz, I have a starting to heat up here, man. A goal for him in this match. He's looked good over his last couple matches for FC Dallas. They're doing well, man, and and I think the big key, as much as Fabian Castillo and Mauro Diaz are doing work for them and they're really starting to click, their defense deserves some credit. Three straight shutouts. Obviously, shutting out an Orlando team without Kaká and Laren is a little bit easier than shutting out most teams. But, again, looking ahead to the, the upcoming games, we'll see what FC Dallas's defense is working with when they play D.C. United and when they play Portland, two teams that can definitely test the defense. So uh, credit to Pardeja. Uh, he got his team out of that slump that they were in. I mean, they had a six-match winless streak, and there were some serious question marks about them. But starting with the defense, getting organized, they've they've played much, much better. Houston Dynamo defeated San Jose Earthquakes 2-0, Ricardo Clark, and Will Bruin with goals in this match. And, uh, I mean, look, for both of these teams, Ivis, the, the, 
You could say that they have an outside shot of making the playoffs in the Western Conference. Could they make it? Yes. If things work out for them, yes, they, they could possibly make it. Is it a little bit of a tall task? Yes, you could say that. But, um, I mean, look, both teams, I mean, they're going to battle throughout the entire rest of the season. And for Houston, I mean, this is, this is a big result for them against San Jose. Big result for them, but I agree. I like it like, like you said, or maybe you didn't say, I don't, I don't see them closing the gap. I think the top six in the West is the top six. I don't think there's going to be a change there. I think Seattle, Vancouver, FC Dallas, Portland, LA, Sporting Kansas City, that is your playoff six. How, what order they end up in, I think, is the question. Um, and I'm sure folks in San Jose, I'm sure folks in Houston will disagree, and they think, oh, no, our teams can close the gap. Um, I don't see it. I, I really don't see it. I just think those teams have too much firepower to, to be caught by San Jose or Houston. Uh, as far as Houston goes, I, I mean, we still don't know what's going on with Kubo Torres. Is he coming? Is he not coming? I know he had the whole he has the whole legal issue now when he was accused of sexual assault. Um, it, you know, is he going to be cleared to, to even play in MLS now? We don't know what's going on with that. I mean, uh, uh, everyone's obviously being very careful about revealing anything on that whole situation. He hasn't played for Mexico since. He's just pretty much in limbo right now. So without him, I mean, I think if they were if they were able to get Kubo Torres. I think that could push them and close the gap a bit on the powers in the West, but I just I just feel like these two teams are are, are going to be on the outside looking in. Real Salt Lake suffered a big loss to the Colorado Rapids, three to one. It was one one in the 79th. I'm sorry, it was one zero. Real Salt Lake in the 79th minute when Sebastian Jaime scored a goal. Colorado equalized a few minutes later. Then Sebastian Jaime gets a red card, and Colorado adds two goals in stoppage time. Just a horrible result for Real Salt Lake, who should have walked away with three points, should have at least walked away with one point. I mean, it's just for RSL, it's just I guess it's one of those things, man. They're not having the best season, and these are probably games in the past they would have been able to grind out and win. This year, it's different for them. Real Salt Lake, I mean, very, very tough result for them on the road. Yep, I agree. It was terrible, but they rebounded. They're in the semifinals of the yeah. Open Cup. Yeah. So it's, uh, you know, bittersweet week, uh, you know, half half glass full, half glass empty. Uh, I think their playoff hopes are dead. I I, I hate to say it. I, I You know, I, I, it was just a week ago, a week or two ago, I was talking about RSL as a team that I think could be strong in the second half. I still think that. But as I just said regarding San Jose and Houston, I just think the top six in the West it's pretty much locked in, man. I just don't see any of those teams. When you look at the teams that I mentioned, Seattle, Vancouver, Dallas, Portland, L.A., uh, Sporting KC, of those teams, I don't see any of those teams just collapsing uh, and get, and being caught by an RSL. I mean, we're talking eight, nine points that they'd have to make up. Uh, I mean, FC Dallas, you know, they, they're a team that's had their swings. I know Portland Timbers have had their ups and downs, but I don't think either of those teams are going to collapse enough for RSL to get back into this race so I think if I'm RSL, I start focusing on that Open Cup, lifting that Open Cup. Obviously, you're still going to play your league games, and you're still going to try to win every game. But I, I just think the playoffs at this point are uh, looking further and further away. All right. Well, I was, this past week, the U.S. Women's National Team had their victory parade in the Canyon of Heroes in New York, which was awesome. It's great to see um, the women getting the recognition that they deserve. It's great. Two things that came out of this. Major League Soccer had floats in the parade. Okay, I mean, it's a parade. I mean, you need floats, whatever, right? But what's weird is that at the end of the parade, Don Garber spoke. The commissioner of the WNSL did not speak, and yet Don Garber spoke. Why he's speaking, representing Major League Soccer, just very bizarre, an unfortunate, a, a missed moment. It's just very, very strange that Major League Soccer definitely 
asserted their and made their presence be felt when it was supposed to be about the U.S. woman. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't a pretty picture. And, and it, it, the thing is with MLS, right? Obviously, MLS helped make the whole thing happen. Of course. So, so give them some credit. Um, the parade doesn't happen if MLS doesn't get involved. Uh, I think uh, the parade needed uh, some financial backing. It needed some corporate backing. MLS was help was able to make that happen. And uh, look, let's face it, the NWSL does not have the clout to make something like this happen. Uh, neither really does U.S. Soccer, but MLS was able to make it happen. Now, having said that, just because you throw the party doesn't mean you get to do whatever you want. I, I, I just, I, it was, it was awkward. It was the whole thing was awkward. Having a having floats with MLS teams in it, like it, it really shouldn't have become like this. This like. Ode to American soccer. I mean, I, I, I don't know. I didn't think it was great. I didn't. I thought it was a little awkward. Um, but I guess you need floats, right? I mean, you can't. They didn't I, just want to have the, one I get, float. I get the floats. If you just have the floats in there, I don't think we'd be talking about this. We're, I think we're talking about this because Don Garber spoke. That's that's kind of the weird thing. I, I get it, but I think that's why. I think they. Something. I think they. I, I, yeah. I mean, to be fair, I don't. I, I think they just asked him to speak. I don't think. I don't think he demanded. No, speed no, no, no. Yeah, but but he but but I don't know. It, it was it was an awkward speed. It was it was all very, it was all very. I don't know. I felt like I needed. I feel like everybody needed a shower after they they watched that <laughs> thing. It is what it is. But the parade again. Let's get let's not let's not lose sight of the, the bigger picture. It was a great event, a very deserving moment for the U.S. women, mm-hmm. uh, and it was great to see the support that they have now. Let's see if they need, if that support can carry over into the professional ranks. And if we're going to see that support show itself in the stands, at the turnstiles, at the ticket booth, in the professional women's league, the NWSL, and we've seen it for so many times now, women's leagues just fail uh, because they don't have that support. And 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 now we're going to see if that if, if, if this time around is different. And I, honestly, it's too early to tell. It's, it's too early for me to say it's definitely going to change. This is going to be different. I, I, I we're not I, Nobody knows. We don't know, but we'll find out. All right, and shifting gears and looking at NASL, Freddie Adu is back in America. He has signed with the Tampa Bay Rowdies. This is, what, his 20th team in the last three years. For him, I kid, it's not that many. Um, but look, Ivis, Freddie Adu keeps bouncing around. Is this finally a team that he can stay on for more than two, three months? I think it's a good move for him. Uh, I, thought, I wrote about it a week ago uh, about the possibility of him signing in NASL, and I think it was just the right time for him to come back. Um, you know, he's he's obviously tried his hand abroad the last couple of years, and it just really hasn't worked out for him ever since he left the Philadelphia Union. And, and just to catch people up, he, he obviously revived his career at uh, leading up to the 2011 Gold Cup. He obviously did great at the, at the Gold Cup, turned that into a big deal with the Union. Things didn't work out with the Union. Now he's bounced around Brazil, Serbia, most recently Finland. And he just hasn't he just hasn't been able to find that stability that he's been looking for. There's been a lot of coaching changes everywhere he goes. Uh, the Finland situation he started out well, but he got hurt, and then he you know he couldn't get back in, um, and he just had to move on. And and I think at that point, it, you know, if you're Freddie Adu, you got to kind of look at it and say, all right, I've been chasing these these foreign leagues. It's time to come home. It's time to look for some stability at home. And unfortunately for him, MLS. The interest in MLS just isn't there anymore because, uh, or at, at this point, because you know he he didn't have, he didn't have the best time with the union, and I think it turns a, a lot of people off, and a lot of people have question marks about just what he brings to a, a, a locker room. But NASL, I think, is at a point where they have the financial stability, they have the growing uh, st- ownership strength 
to to you know give give more opportunities like these to players that you know in the past might not have considered NASL. And the temporary Rowdies are the perfect team for him. Thomas Rongan's the coach, unquestioned leader of that organization, and obviously he coached uh, Freddie Adu uh, at the Under Twenty World Cup. He's a guy who knows Freddie well. Freddie Adu has played well for him in the past, and I think it's a perfect marriage. It's an uh, Freddie Adu goes to a team that's going to do well. I think the, the Rowdies were already one of the favorites in the in in NASL for this for the fall season. Now, if you add Freddie Adu, and if he can recapture his, you know, show the skill that 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 his fans have been craving for so long, I mean, Tampa Bay could could absolutely knock the cosmos off the perch in the NASL. And before we switch gears and talk a little international soccer, we just want to remind everyone that go to SoccerLoco.com. You can get 10% off your entire order when you enter an SBI 10. Remember, that's SBI 10. You get 10% off your entire order when you're about to purchase your order on SoccerLoco.com. And especially for all those international soccer fans out there, I know all the new kits are coming out. I mentioned a little earlier, Soccer Loco just announced that they have the new Arsenal kits in. Um, for the 2015-2016 Premier League season. They're going to have the other kits uh, for all the other teams, too. On top of that, you have jerseys, you have you have, uh, you have have cleats, you have gear, you have scarves, anything that you need for the upcoming season. If you're a youth player, you're playing college, SoccerLoco.com, take advantage, 10% off your entire order when you enter an SBI 10 at the online cart window. Looking at international soccer now, talk about a few big moves that have happened um, Raheem Sterling, Ivis, has moved from Liverpool to Manchester City. And the main reason why, he wants to win trophies for Liverpool. This is a big loss for them. Um, this is now back-to-back years where they've lost a quality player up top who can score goals for them. For City, this is a good move for them. Um, I mean, what do you make of this? I mean, it definitely seems like City gets, gets, comes out the winner in this move. Are they the winner though? Is man, I, I, listen, man, Sterling's a nice young player, but I gotta say, man, man City overpaid significantly. And this isn't a new thing. English talent uh, is overpriced, right? And I think teams, obviously, in England, you know, you have to you have to pay a bit of a premium for English players because obviously, when you have, when you want to talk about UEFA and the Champions League and all that, you need to have domestic players. And if you can get yourself a, a true, legitimate domestic star player, you get them, you pay whatever you have to pay for them. Um, City obviously they, they 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 have the deep pockets. The whole financial fair play idea is pretty much looks like it's been put to bed, so they don't have to worry about that. Uh, but I'm sorry if I'm Liverpool, I'm pretty happy, man, that I, I I'm able to come away. Seventy five million American uh, buys you some can buy you some pretty good talent. So um, I I don't think losing Sterling is going to have as much of an impact on them as losing Luis Suarez did this past season. I think that was a huge blow for them. And I don't think the money that they recouped from the Suarez sale uh, w- w- was nearly enough to help them. Ha- having said that, this time around, I don't think I don't think losing Sterling is going to be as significant for them. And I think if they make some smart purchases, if they spend that money wisely, I think Liverpool could actually end up being a better team. It's also the end of an era, Ivis, at Real Madrid as Ico Casillas has left them to go to Porto in Portugal. Think about it. He's at, he's at Real Madrid since 1999. That's just crazy when you think about that. Yet he's still only 34 years old. So he has a ton of playing time ahead of him. Um, and, and it's unfortunate that he's left Real Madrid. I know there's some little talk about his departure and it wasn't the you know most mutual thing between him and and the club, but still, I mean, he moves over to Porto, which, which, is a, which is a very good team that does very, very well in European competition. It's a sad day, man. It's a sad day. I mean, I'll, I'll let, 
I mean, even you're even if you're a Barcelona fan and you hate Real Madrid, you got you got to feel bad about the way things ended with Iker Casillas. I mean, Casillas is a legend, man. He's a Real Madrid legend, and and, and it just it's disappointing the way things ended there. And uh, I mean, I've been a I've been a big Casillas fan for a long time. I still I still remember one of the first big interviews I ever had with an international star was Casillas back in 2002 at the World Cup. We were in the mix zone after they beat Ireland in penalty kicks in the quarterfinals of the uh, of the World Cup, and Casillas, I mean, he was very young then. He and he talked to everybody, and he didn't mind sitting and talking. And here he was talking to some nobody American reporter. I mean, I, we were talking Spanish, but I mean, he gave me as much time as I wanted, and he was just a class act. Uh, and obviously, he's been an, an unbelievable player throughout his career. He's won the World Cup, Champions League. He's won everything there's to win. Um, it's it, it's unfortunate, but it's the reality of, of the game that the days of a player being able to play his entire career in one place, those days are just over. And it's kind of sad. I mean, look at it. When you look at just this past summer, you have Steven Gerrard leaving Liverpool, going with the get going to the galaxy You have Xavi leaving Barcelona, uh, you know, going to Qatar. And now you have, uh, you have Iker Casillas leaving. So it, it, it is, it is sad in a way, but at the same time, it gives you a chance to reflect on how amazing their careers were with those teams. And, I don't think that goes away. I think at the end of the day, that will live on in the history of the clubs for all those teams. When you talk about big players leaving teams, um, Bastian Schweinsteiger has left Bayern Munich and has now joined Manchester United, which is crazy. I, I saw somewhere out there that he's the first German to play for Manchester United. Who, who He will become the first German to play for Manchester United's first team. It's crazy to think that. Think of that. Um, but Manchester United, man, being very aggressive in the offseason, um, I mean, is this a very good move for them, Ivis? What do you make of it? Oh, no question. I mean, you get talking about a World Cup winning captain. Uh, he's won everything at, at, at Bayern. Is he, is he uh, kind of on the downward slope of his career? You could, you could argue that. But, uh, I mean, I just think he, the quality that he brings, I know there's some question marks. Oh, how, he will, how will he adapt uh, in the Premier League? I think he'll adapt fine, man. I think he, he's the type of player that, that should be able to settle in well. And, uh, you know, when you look at the, the I mean, the signings, Man, Man United, they're not playing around. I mean, they, they, add, they not only add, uh, add Schweinsteiger, but Morgan Schneiderlin is, uh, is a good player, man. I mean, he's a, he doesn't have the he doesn't have the cachet of Schweinsteiger. He's not a World Cup winner, but he might end up actually being a better player. Uh, the French midfielder. I mean, he, 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 did, he didn't come cheap. He's another one of these big ticket Southampton signings. Uh, and for my money, I think I wouldn't be shocked if. Four years from now, you're looking at these signings, and Schneiderlin uh, ends up being the, the the more impactful signing of the two. But so far, I think it's been a pretty good a pretty good summer. But they're not done, man. There's talk about Angel Di Maria being sold, uh, Cavani coming in. Uh, you know, they had been, there was talks about Thomas Muller. I didn't think that would ever happen. I don't think Bayern Munich will ever give it get rid of Thomas Muller, at least not anytime soon. Um, but Bayern, uh, Man U is not playing around, man. They they want to close the gap on Chelsea. Have they closed the gap on Chelsea? Uh, I don't know if I'd go that far yet. But again, the summer uh, the summer it's still early. They get you know Sergio Ramos. There's all the talk about that. David de Gea is, is joining them for the preseason. So you know what? We'll see what happens. All right, Davis. With that, it ends uh, today's SBS show. We I think we covered everything. I mean, we haven't had a show in eight days, which we apologize about. Um, our schedules are pretty crazy. Plus, uh, Ivis raged the last eight days like hard, nah. super hard. <laughs> I wish I was raging. I wish. I, look, it's you know when you're on the road, you're gonna you know hang out with uh, see the people that you, have, you don't see. And uh, I will say, it's always great to go on the road covering the national team, and you get to meet a lot of the fans that support the the U.S. all over the all over the country. And 
you, one of the one of the lasting memories for me of this trip was seeing Alexi Lalas uh, get mobbed at the uh, American Outlaws night before party in Kansas City. Uh, he must have taken like 500 selfies. Um, but you know, credit what, to what's, Casey. First off, what's up with selfies? Can't people just ask someone okay. to take a picture for them? Technically, they weren't all selfies. Okay. I, I, think, I think, you know, obviously we, we call everything a selfie these days. I'd say maybe 10, I'd say maybe 15% were selfies. I think there were actually a lot of okay. normal photos. I was going to say, it, there's nothing that bothers me more than I'm walking and I see someone take a selfie and I'm like, I'll take the, fo-. like, just ask me, I'll take it for you. <laughs> I hate that. It's like, are, are we in a society where we're just, we don't talk to people anymore? I mean, I've never taken a selfie and I never will take one. Because I'll ask someone else to take one for me. (laughs) Get off my lawn. Oh, my God. I think they're so stupid. Selfies and selfie sticks. Selfie sticks are by far one of the stupidest things ever. I do want to break one every time I see somebody. Oh, God. And also, uh, people posing for pictures all the time. Or, like, they're taking their phones out trying to record, like, a free kick. I mean, I I saw... I think it was the U.S. game last night. Like, everyone's, like, recording. I forget who was taking the free kick. It's like, dude, just watch the game. The video on your phone is probably not going to be that good. Go home and watch the highlights. Sorry. It is true. This is, is me true. being an old man right now. But it's it's like just live the moment. Enjoy the moment. Don't take your phone out. Uh, my brain is done, Ivis. I thought I'll, that was my job. I thought, I thought I was supposed to be the grumpy old man in this. Uh, I, I'm, this I'm now the grumpy old man because I hate that stuff. It's just it's it's so. Uh, <laughs> well, I will say this. It was a great time. Uh, and I, I definitely had too much barbecue in Kansas City. The food is so good there. Uh, and as I mentioned on Instagram, Oklahoma Joe's. Is is the number one barbecue spot for me? It used to be Jack Stack, uh, and I did have Jack Stack the first day. But Oklahoma Joe's, if you've never been to Kansas City, uh, Garrett, you have to go. You have to have the burn in. I was in Kansas City with you. Oh, did you? Did we go to Oklahoma Joe's? I don't remember, but I was there with you when when we went to the um, Sporting Kansas City, we all Salt Lake MLS Cup final in two thousand. 13, 13. Yes. <laughs> it, was, it was it was so long it was a blur it was a blur we were so cold i think our memories of that trip uh were burned out of our brains by the cold i've never been so miserable in my life it is unbelievable how it can be it can be like one degree there and then it can also be 100 degrees there in like you know it's crazy but anyway it was good time that was the worst and then charlie beam kicked me at the at the at charlie the boom charlie- that's his name whatever that that a-hole sorry charlie he's not that <laughs> guy but he kicked me purposely and then i walked around with a limp for the rest of the rest of the day uh, we had to hold a grudge but anyway uh u.s up next they go to baltimore on saturday quarterfinals we will i will be there uh and then it's semifinals if they win in atlanta um uh, looking forward to those trips uh I, I know obviously baltimore you get fans from baltimore you get fans from philly from dc obviously the fans from new york and new jersey will make the trip down uh, it should be good, man. It should, uh, um, this Gold Cup, the group stage, it, it is a bit of a grind, you know. It hasn't been the most beautiful soccer. The conditions have been abysmal in some cases. But I think the knockout rounds, things are going to start to get fun. Uh, I think the you know the U.S. should roll in the quarters, but then the semis are going to be interesting, man. If they get Costa Rica, not that Costa Rica's looked amazing in this tournament, mind you. Costa Rica's not looked great. They haven't, you know, right now it still looks like we're we're headed for USA Mexico. And right now, if you're in Mexico, you got to be feeling pretty good because the U.S. hasn't looked so great. But it's still going to be a great matchup. Let's see if they can get there. The U.S., they'll, they'll be fine. They'll be fine, man. Tim Chandler, man. He's got to get it together. He's got to get his I you mean, know, The that, one thing that really does bother me about him is his body position on the field. I just He never looks right on the field. Just the, I don't know. It's, 
I just yeah, every time he touches the ball, I just I don't like the way his body's positioned on the field. I know I know it's nitpicking, but I don't know. I don't know what it is about it. It's I think it's about how he, I feel like he's not he doesn't read the game that well. No. And what's and what's interesting is that we, and here's the thing. And again, this is an issue regarding uh, what the differences between club and country and, and, and the role that you can have. You can play the same position for club and country, but if your club asks you to do different things, then it's going to be it's going to throw you off a bit if you're not used to it. Now, when he plays for in in the Bundesliga, he, he had you know he attacks, but it's definitely a defense first philosophy. Now, with the U.S., uh, Klinsmann definitely to all his defenders, he's preaching attack, attack, attack from the back. Get the ball off your feet, pass it, don't sit on the ball, look to attack, fullbacks get forward. And I feel like these I feel like a guy like Chandler, you know, he he wants to do that. He wants to follow the instructions, but then he kind of loses his positioning. Like he it's like he's in such a hurry to get into the attack that he 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 doesn't think about where he needs to actually be, and then he finds himself in bad positions. Uh, we'll see if he starts again, though, because, I mean, as much as Klinsman is stuck with him through the group stages, I think with Beasley in now, if Beasley is has, is is anywhere close to being in the form that he was at the World Cup, I think you got to start him at left back, start Fabian Johnson at right back, and all of a sudden, your defense looks a lot better. So we'll see. <laughs> That's not going to happen. Brad Evans I'm, is going to play center back, man. Come on. It, it will happen. Brad Evans. Oh, hey, look, I'm just looking forward to going to Baltimore, uh, go take a tour of all the – the famous landmarks from The Wire, you know, that's always a good time. If I were you, I would do, like, hairspray things like the musical, you know, because it took place in Baltimore. What? What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> this is me bringing something from left field to the yeah, show. Yeah, hair, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> you lost me. You lost me in hairspray. But no. Don't don't you watch uh, musicals? Not as often as you do. But uh, I'm looking forward to Baltimore. I'm definitely looking forward to Atlanta. I've only been to Atlanta once before. And uh, if the U.S. wins, as they should... Uh, semifinals in Atlanta should be rocking. So we'll see how that goes. The, the U.S. should win? Come on, man. They'll take care of business. I know. I know. And, and so, hey, it's a big week. My kid, my son's birthday is coming up. Um, I got to figure out a present for him. How old is he? Now, is, he, is he 20 now? He's 20. He's, <laughs> he's bigger than you were when you were 20, but he's not 20. He's going to be 12. Um, I'm, sure he's bigger, is, I'm sure he's bigger than me right now. Yeah, he is. How tall he's is he? Like, he's like 5'6", 165. Okay, I have him on height, so there you go. There, yeah, for now. <laughs> for, what, yeah, another, give, for another week. Give him, a, <laughs> give him six, yeah, give him three months. He'll be freaking five feet, five eleven. No, but uh, no. He, 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 the worst thing is, so he loves Zlatan Ibrahimovic. I've mentioned this before. Now Zlatan and PSG are coming to New Jersey and are playing here, but unfortunately, I will not be here. I'll be in Atlanta, and my wife is just not going to go schlep out to Red Bull Arena by herself to take him to this game. So unfortunately he's gonna miss it. I'm not gonna be here. Um I'm gonna get I'm probably I'm gonna probably get him a PSG jersey. He's a lot of time. Uh I have to hit up the folks at Soccer Loco, see what they can do. Um but no it should be it should you know we're we're off to Florida uh at the end of the month so that that I I'll make it up to him. We'll probably hit up Bush Gardens and Disney World. And we'll probably hit you know what we're, I think we're gonna have to hit up a Tampa Bay Rowdies game. I think we're actually gonna be in Tampa around the time that they're gonna play. So We'll get to check out Freddie Adu in person, see what he's got. I Tampa Bay Rowdies games. I I I'm not gonna pretend like I watch their games, but I always see photos from their stadium. They always they always look packed, man, and their fans look extremely loyal. Uh oh. So am I gonna not be able to get tickets to the Rowdies though? I don't know, man. The games they they look they look the Rowdies look like out of I mean look and we always talk about the Cosmos, uh, Minnesota United. 
Um, but we don't really talk about the. I mean, just from the pictures that I see, the Rowdies games, they just they look like they have an awesome fan base of people who are super dedicated to that team. I mean, they just they look like a very well run NASL team. It is. It's it's a well run team, and and obviously they they they're investing in Freddie Adu and hoping he can put them over the top. I think he's definitely going to draw some fans out. Um, I know it, it's always funny because there's definitely a lot of people who look at Freddie Adu and the issues that he's had in his career and think about how he's washed up and how nobody cares about him. And it's so not, it's so, nothing can be further from the truth from the standpoint of people not caring. A lot of people still care about Freddie Adu. A lot of people are still intrigued by Freddie Adu. Now, are they all intrigued for the same reasons, for the right reasons? Not necessarily. There's a lot of people who want to see him fail, a lot of see him struggle. But then there's a lot of people who remember him and his great moments in his career with the youth national teams at the Gold Cup, uh, friendlies here and there with the U.S. So I think there, there's a lot of people who, who kind of still hold out hope that he can recapture some of that magic. And I think that uncertainty is going to, I think, going to draw people to come watch him play and see what he has. And now that he's going to be in the in the States, I think you're going to see a lot of people who would normally go check out a Rowdy's game go see a Rowdy's game. Well, yeah, let's let's just f- focus on on him staying in a place and getting some consistent minutes and maybe coming back for year two. If he can exactly. do that, then... then exactly. yeah. That's the thing, right? I already had somebody on Twitter, and again, it's Twitter. There's always crazy stuff on Twitter. I already had somebody on Twitter ask me, do I think he can work his way back into the National League? Oh, and, 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 and all I'd say to that is, leave him alone. Like, let the guy settle in. Let him. Don't stop putting expectations on him. Stop putting pressure on him. And this goes for all players. I mean, like Stuart Holden. Like, Stuart Holden hasn't played. At this point, you would think he's retired. But let's just say he's not retired. Let's say he comes back and plays. If he comes back and plays, don't jump on him about that. Don't get into the national team questions. Like, let the guy play. Let the guy just settle in. Like, stop putting these undue expectations on him. Same thing with Freddie Adu. Stop talking about the national team. Let the guy actually play consistently and play well and find his form and, like, become – uh, an impact player on this team. Uh, give that time, and then maybe down the road you can have that conversation. But the, he hasn't even played a minute yet, and we're talking, we're getting questions about the national team. Like, stop it. Let's please, let's, let's take it down a notch. Stuart Holden, is, he has a cushy job now. He, I mean, I would love to see him come back, but TV studio, wearing nice suits every day. I mean, that sounds, that sounds pretty good to me. It's uh oh man, it's 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 I, I I hope he comes back to play. I would love to see him come back too, but I mean Um it's just crazy, man, when you think about I mean, before all the injuries, when he was playing at a high level with Bolton at the in the Premier League, I still remember the one year when, you know, uh, halfway through the season he was he was playing like some of the best soccer in the Premier League in the midfield as an American. And, you know, looking back at a time when when people thought, you know, Michael Bradley Stewart holding in the middle was going to be it for years, and it could, and it could be a top end mid, midfield. Um, it's crazy how how you know obviously fortunes have not gone his way. Injuries have really you know sidetracked his career. Hopefully he can make it back. Um, but I mean it's just crazy how things like that happen. I mean you know you hear all kinds of rumblings about players dealing with injuries. I mean I just heard a rumor today about a player who I will not mention, but who apparently has suffered a very serious injury. And may not and may not play again. Um, you know, a player, a pretty pretty high profile American player. So it, it's crazy how quickly a, a career can just can just be derailed, and 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 a path to greatness can can just be deterred. And, and it, it it just shows you that you know these players have to take advantage of every moment, man, because you never know when things are going to go wrong. No, that's true, and it's just yeah, it is unfortunate, man. It is really unfortunate for him, especially. 
when he did come back and he had a couple games for the U.S., then he got injured again. It's just like that's it. Just you felt so bad for the guy because he went well, through think so about much. That. I mean, he played. Yeah, it was the Gold Cup. It was just two years ago. I know, it's crazy to think that he was playing well, and then in the final he tears his knee up. I mean, that was just two years ago. Just two years ago. And now nobody he, – he went from two years ago playing well in the Gold Cup with the, the U.S. national team to two years later, I don't even hear anyone even asking about him anymore. I don't, and, and he hasn't – as far as I know, he hasn't formally retired. So it, it's just crazy how, that, how quickly things can change. And uh, you know what? It's, uh, it's just a reminder to all these guys that are in the national team mix now. Like take advantage of every moment and, and don't take it for granted. And, and uh, you know what? Because you know what? You're not guaranteed it going forward. That's why you got to live every moment 100%, no matter what, because you never know when it could all end. And and hopefully for Stuart Holman, dude, fingers crossed. It'd be great to see him back on the field one day. Great to see him back. Um, with that, Ivis, it wraps up the SBI show. Uh, we, we, you know, we promise we will have a show later this week because we have to preview the U.S. quarterfinals game. So, um, so Ivis, we'll have a show later this week. Yes, Thursday night. I still haven't figured out when I'm getting down to Baltimore. I don't know if I'm going to go down Thursday or Friday morning. Uh, but we will absolutely have a show uh, previewing whoever it is they play and also previewing, previewing the weekend ahead. Uh, let's see if we can maybe dig up a, uh, uh, an interview or two. Because uh, it's Ooh. been a few few episodes now. We haven't had a guest. So I think I feel like we need a guest. So see if we can we can cook one up. Who is um, – why don't we get someone from The Wire on the show? I mean, you, have, you have Hollywood connections. What is <laughs> from The Wire? So random. <laughs> okay, you know what? You know what? In honor of The Wire – and I don't know if the U.S. National can play in Baltimore. Maybe we can get Omar Gonzalez. But I, I, we'll see. <laughs> One step at a time. One step at a time. <laughs> uh, all right, Ivan. You have a good rest of the week, man. And uh, and I'll, uh, I'll talk with you later, all right? Yes, sir. And apologies to everybody. I know this wasn't a great show. This is like a C minus. Yes. Uh, it's pretty bad. We're getting back on the horse, you know. We'll, we'll, we'll hopefully uh, get back into a good rhythm uh, going forward. Yes. Yes, I like that. Good outlook. Good outlook. Well, that is Ivis Golarsep. I am Garrett Cleverly. Thank you for listening. Thank you for the comments and the reviews on iTunes. This is the PSBI Show.